one of the things that I wanted to share with you guys is um, how old I am. So I feel old because my birthday is next month. And um, so 45, y'all, 45 is my, it's my Jordan comeback year, right? Um, but in preparation for today's message, I had to go back. I had to go way back, okay? I had to go back to when I was growing up, there was an incredible show called The A-Team. Does anybody remember The A-Team? Okay, a good like 10% of the room. Solid. All right. Google it, YouTube it, find it wherever you can. Because it was this eclectic group. They all had different backgrounds. They all had different things. You know, most people's favorite character was B.A. Baracus, Mr. T. Mr. T. Um, we won't say what B.A. stands for because we're in church. Okay, but again, Google that on your own time. Um, but my favorite character was actually Hannibal. He was the leader of the group. And he always had a plan. He always had a plan. It was crazy. It was sometimes he had multiple plans because the first plan would fail. But at the end of the day, his plan would always kind of come through and they would save the day. And what I want to know, what I want to, you to know this morning is that God's plan will never fail. And though you may not see it, though you may not recognize it in, in its current state and form, God's plan will never fail. And I know this to be true, not only in my own life, but what I've seen in your pastor's lives. Pastor Joshua and Pastor Kyra have stepped out in faith, believing God's plan, seeing God's vision, stepping out and knowing that, you know what, we haven't got it all figured out, but we're going to trust him each step of the way. And we're in the middle of that plan. We might be on stage two or three of that plan, but ultimately that plan is continuing to evolve and continuing to, to show what God wants to do in and through you, in and through Highlight Church. And, uh, you know, I, I think that oftentimes we look at these plans and we see what, where we are in our own piece of that plan and we get frustrated with that. We, get, we ask questions about where we are in that plan. But know that it's kind of like a, an Ikea anything, okay? You've got multiple steps and multiple pages and, and thousands of pieces to that plan. And it's going to come through. And at the end, you're going to say, all right, we got it. We got it. And what I want to encourage you with is to keep listening, to keep planning, to keep praying, to keep fasting, to keep moving forward with God's plan for Highlight Church. Because we're not done. We're just getting started. And God has that plan to shine the light, to shine the light of Jesus. And so that people can find true life. You found true life. You may be discovering that life now, but we need to partner together. And continue to see that true life in your family, that true life in your neighbors, that true life in your coworkers, that true life in your closest friends, in your distant friends. They need to experience Jesus Christ. And, uh, and we get to do that together. So today, we're going to find some wisdom as we've been in this, in this series of, of seeking out the wisdom of God. And my title for today is, When a Plan Comes Together. When a plan comes together, 
Because at the end of every A-team show, at the end, Hannibal would always say, I love it when a plan comes together. And I tell you, a plan is coming together that God has for you, that God has for your family, that God has for your future. And you may not see all of that plan right now. But as we look at Proverbs 16 today, I hope that you'll get a little bit more of a glimpse of God's plan for you. So let's look at the scripture. It's in the, the Living Bible Translation. And we're going to look at a couple of different translations this morning, the NIV and the Living Bible. And the reason of that is, I actually had a conversation with a Wycliffe Bible Institute um, a few months ago, and they translate the Bible all across the world. And I asked them, I said, what is the best version? Right? I want to know. There's like so many different versions. Some people will say King James. Some people will say different things. And I'm like, all right, you literally, this is all you do is translate the Bible. Tell me, what's the best version of the Bible? And they said every version. Because the Lord speaks to you individually through his word. And what resonates with you may be different what resonates with someone else. But what we're taking from the scripture and what we're taking from the scrolls, it doesn't lose its power through the different versions. So whatever version that is best for you, maybe you're a little bit more new school and you like the message version or the passion version. Maybe a little bit old school and you like the King James version. Anything in between. As long as you get into the word of God, he will speak something to you. Okay? So Proverbs 16. We can make our plans... But the final outcome is in God's hands. We can always prove that we are right. But is the Lord convinced? Commit your work to the Lord. Then it will succeed. We've got, I mean, I could do a sermon for each, you know, little scripture here. But we're going to chunk them a little bit today. Verse 4, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for punishment. Pride disgusts the Lord. Take my word for it. Proud men shall be punished. Iniquity is atoned by the mer- by, for by mercy and truth. Evil is avoided by reverence for God. When a man is trying to please God, God makes even his worst enemies to be at peace with him. A little gained honestly is better than great wealth gotten by dishonest means. We should make plans counting on God to direct us. What I love about this scripture is there are generalities and there are specifics. There are things generally spoken about and then there are specifics given as well. And a lot of times what God does is he gives you and I the ability to choose. Really our first gift that he'd given us all the way back in the Garden of Eden. The ability to choose. The ability to say, yes, I am going to submit to you, God, in your plans. Or no, I'm going to do it my way and figure out if that works. We all go through this. Whether you've been a Christian for a little time or a long time. Whatever it looks like in your life, we have the ability to say, is it my plan or is it God's plan? Am I going to submit to God's plan and trust in his plan? Or am I going to do it my way? 
So let me start off with a question. We're going to do some reflection today. So you may need to write some of these down. You may need to take a note in your phone or whatever it is, but you may need to go back and do some longer reflection Monday through Saturday. When it comes to wisdom, I realize it doesn't just come in small pieces, but it comes in large chunks that ultimately I've got to, you know, get back to over and over again. Right? So it's like leftovers. You <laughs> say, okay, that was an amazing meal, but I'm going to take a little bit extra with me and I'm going to come back to it later. My first question is this. Are my plans good? Are my plans good? Are your plans good? I want you to ask yourself, are my plans good? In verse 1, to humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the, pro- the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. There are a lot of good things in the world. There are a lot of good plans that you have. But are we weighing them against God's plans? Because there's a lot of good things. There are a lot of good things, but are they God things? And that's a differentiator that we need to have as a perspective in our life. There are a lot of good things. Good things. We went to Yard House and we had a brookie. It's a very good thing. Some of you would argue that that is also a God thing. Okay. But truly, is it, is it a God thing? Our plans, are they good? Are they good for me? Or are they good for God? Am I committed to my plans as long as they are good for me? Or am I committed to my plans as long as they are good for God? Because a lot of times when God's plans come into play, we start questioning it. Well, God, that's not good for me, so you must be wrong. God, I don't see that playing out the way that I thought that it would play out, so now I'm going to be angry with you. Now I'm going to question my faith in you. Now I'm going to question that plan because it's not good for me. Have you prayed? Have you fasted? Have you seen scripture that supports your good plans? Have you talked to somebody else that's a little bit farther along in their journey of faith than you about your good plans? Because these are the filters that we must run through as it pertains to God plans. Because we've all been there. We've all seen it. We've all seen it on social media or in the news or wherever where somebody claims that their good plans were God plans. Now, usually we see the worst of that, right? We see someone doing a violent act or claiming, claiming God in some way, but they believed that it was good. Which means, I guarantee you, that they went through their own filter of just hoping, believing, trusting maybe a little bit in their prayer 
in their scripture, but not fasting, but not seeking out godly counsel, but not truly running through a couple of filters to make sure that it was God's plan. Because you and I, I know that I've done this, and you probably have as well, you figure out, not maybe to that violent extent, but you figure out what your plans are, your good plans, and you say, okay, let me now find some scripture for that. Let me now figure out, okay, what is it that uh, in Proverbs I can find to help support my good plans? Because if I can find that to support my plan, then it must be God's plan. And then you didn't actually fast about it. You didn't actually figure out if there's someone else that is farther along to give you their perspective. Maybe it's a highlight group leader. Maybe it's a staff member. Maybe it's pastors. Maybe you say, I'm about to make some plans and I think that they're good. But I need to run them through a couple of filters here first. Because my good plans might not actually match up with God's plans. Are your plans good or are your plans God? Because I need God plans. I need God plans because I get too frustrated with my good plans. When they don't turn out as good as I thought that they would. And then I blame God for my good plans. I say, but God, this was a good plan. Didn't you see? I had this all planned out. And that's the problem because we just read about pride. I had this all planned out for my plan. And God was like, so when were you going to check with me about that? You just assumed that your good plan was a God plan. That that good relationship was going to be a godly relationship. That your good job was going to be a godly job. That your good intentions with your kids were going to be godly perspective for raising the next generation. We think that the good things in our lives are what separate us. But ultimately, what we've got to determine is the next question. Because your plans may be good. But then you've got to ask yourself the question, am I a good person? Am I a good person? Because in verse 3 it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked, for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Are you a good person? Have you committed everything to the Lord? Everything. Truly everything. Have you committed your time? Have you committed your talents? Have you committed your treasure? Have you committed more than just Sunday morning? Have you committed Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning? Have you committed Sunday afternoon and all the other afternoons? Have you committed Sunday evening? And all the other evenings. Because there's a difference between being involved and being committed. You can be involved in something and you can be committed to it. And 
You thinking that you're a good person, me thinking that I'm a good person, is that I'm involved with who Christ is in my life. But I'm committed to being a godly person who he's created me to be. Because that commitment takes a whole nother level. And it doesn't mean that you've got to do it tomorrow. It means that it's a journey. Where are you on that journey? Because some of you are spending five minutes a day with God. And that's okay. Some of you have been spending five minutes a day with God for too long. And you need to start upping that to 10 or 20. Whatever your journey is, whatever your individual relationship with God is, is between you and him. There isn't a a standard. There isn't a formula. There isn't an absolute that everybody, if you spend 20 minutes in your scripture, you spend 20 minutes in worship, you spend 20 minutes in this, you, then, then that equals Christianity. That equals a relationship with God. What is your relationship with God? What are your plans? Are they good plans or are they God plans? That's for you and God to figure out. Because you can be involved with God, but are you truly committed to him. An old basketball coach, one of my favorites, said this one time. He said, you can be involved in the process or you can be committed to the process. You can be involved in breakfast or committed to breakfast. See, the chicken is involved in breakfast. A few eggs, good to go. The pig is committed to breakfast. Okay, that bacon is a commitment. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. But how far, how, how far will you be in your process? Because being committed to it, being committed to the Lord takes sacrifice. It takes absolute sacrifice, which means absolute trust, absolute faith, and absolutely knowing that I don't need it figured out because God's got it figured out. Amen. That's the difference between being a good person and a godly person. You see? And again, I want to encourage you. It is a journey. You don't wake up one day and you're like, okay, I'm a godly person. I got it all. I'm going to spend every minute of every waking moment. I'm going to pray without ceasing. I, get, Paul, I got Paul on lock. He didn't know. <laughs> Paul was not ready for me. Okay? It's like, wait, wait, wait. It is the journey along the way. And as you discover your relationship with God, you will become more godly. But I want to encourage you to move from good, from good plans and good people to godly plans and godly people. Because that's what's going to change this world. That's what's going to change your family. That's what's going to change your neighborhood. That's what's going to change your place of work. That's going to, play, that's going to change your school. That's going to change the system. Right? It's not just good people doing good things with good plans. It's godly people doing godly things with godly plans. But we've got to be on this journey together. It's why we talk about super steps so much. It's why we talk about growing in your journey with Christ. Chris and Chow and whoever is up here aren't just like up here to fill time. 
They're here to help you truly discover what godly plans look like in your life. I want you to write this down. My goodness does not compare to God's holiness. It doesn't. Our goodness is fleeting. Our goodness is how you wake up in the morning. <laughs> Our goodness is whether I've had coffee or not. Our goodness is if I actually had a good conversation or, well, we all know that you didn't actually make it to work without yelling at somebody on the road. Okay? So, my goodness is based on circumstance. But God's holiness, whew, there is no amount of goodness that will match God's holiness. Because sin separates me from that. And God is here to remind us all that it is through his holiness that we actually experience his plans. So, now that we figured you, you and your plans out a little bit, you got to do so again. You might need some homework for the week. Am I good? Are my plans good? How does that match up to God? How do I get closer to matching up with God? Because I tell you, your plans and your, your ability to, to strive to be godly is really going to meet God. And you're going to go, I, am, I fall really short in that area. But the good news is, is that Jesus closes that gap. Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus' blood, Jesus' resurrection is what closes the gap for us to even begin to try to attain godliness. Because otherwise we'd be completely separated from him. But Jesus closes that gap. Because your goodness does not compare to God's holiness. So now that we figured you out a little bit, it is the age-old question that everyone will ask. Christians, non-Christians, OGs to brand news. Okay? Is God sovereign? Is God sovereign? How do I know that God's plan is actually the right plan? I know you've asked it because I've asked it. Because you're in the middle of something, or you've been in the middle of something, or you're going to be in the middle of something, that you will ask the question, is this, is this right? God, are you sure about this? Because this is not what my plan was. This is not how I saw it. But what I love is that doubt is something that we will all face. I also love that God is bigger than your doubt. Amen. He has proven time and time again that when you doubt him, he will show out. Yes. They doubted in Egypt when they were in slavery and he showed them he could part the Red Seas. They doubted that they could take over Jericho and the walls came down. They doubted that Jesus was who he said he was as he died on the cross and then he showed them through the resurrection. There is no doubt. God is big enough 
God is big enough for your doubt. He has been for thousands of years. He will be for thousands more until he returns. That whatever you're facing, whatever your doubt may be, he's got it. But when we think about sovereignty, I think we look at it through a lens that is not conducive to who God truly is. We look at it through the lens of our own lives or our own experience of sovereignty. There are a few different kind of definitions of sovereignty as we see them. There's titular sovereignty, which refers to an office that has supreme authority in name only. Okay? An office that has supreme authority. It might be your CEO. It might be someone else. But it's in name only. There's an internal and external sovereignty. The internal sovereignty refers to a government capable of, capable of demanding obedience from all persons and parties within it. And the external sovereignty is an, another piece of that, right? So it's another government that comes in. So the U, let's say the U.S. has an internal sovereignty of government, right, demanding some things. And then if we were ever to be taken over by another country, that would be the external sovereignty. Okay? But we run the sovereignty of God based on human outcomes, based on what is directly affecting us. And we say, well, then God can't be fully sovereign because the, I've experienced sovereignty and it has burned me. But let me tell you about holy sovereignty. Holy sovereignty is dominion, power, and authority with pure intentions. Pure intentions. It's not about who's in authority. It's not about name. It's not about government. It's about God's holiness and who he is. Because he does have domain. He does have power. He does have authority. But ultimately he says, I do it with the purest heart that you cannot understand. So my plans are not your plans. But you must trust my plan. And here's how you do it. Verse 6. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. Better a little gain with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their step. Right? So the Lord comes up with that. The Lord does that over and over again. He's saying, all right, are, your are you good? Are your plans good? You break this down in these three formats of these first nine verses. And then the Lord establishes who he is. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. The Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way. Little gain with righteousness. The Lord establishes their steps. The Lord is reestablishing who he is and wants to reestablish who he is in your life. Because I know oftentimes the pieces of the puzzle that we hold are just our piece. 
It's just what I can see. And we hold on to this piece because it's mine. And I say, this is, God, you don't understand what I'm going through. I know your plan isn't coming to fruition like you said that it would. Because it's not in the timing that I want. So I'm going to hold on to this. But God says, this piece of this puzzle, of your struggle, of your pain, of what you may be facing, is only just a piece. You don't even know what this is. You can't tell if this is peace or this is a storm. You can't tell if this is serenity or not. But what you're experiencing may be the storm and may be the questions. It may not be understanding where you are in the big picture. For us, our family had to deal with this piece. For seven years, we had to experience what it was like not to have a family, to ask God for that, but to not see it come to fruition. At least not in the timing that we thought was possible. We didn't see it in the first miscarriage. We didn't see it in the second miscarriage. We didn't see it in the first surgery or the second surgery. We didn't see it in the first failed attempt with doctors. But I tell you, what you don't see God is still at work in. God still has a plan. But the key is that I don't choose to trust God when I'm in the most difficult place. I choose to trust God before I enter a difficult place. Because if I trust him with my entire life, then the good or the bad, I am trusting him. But if I wait until the bad happens to then say, Lord, now I trust you. Now I want to know. Now, now I seek you out. He'll still meet you either way. But your faith is, is established through trusting God through every season. Not just the good ones, not just the difficult ones. Because oftentimes this peace, this peace is what you hold. And the storm is what you face. The storm that we faced for those seven years. When we had Isaac, it was incredible. But now, you see a picture of my family. Isaac just turned six a couple months ago. We got Madeline too, (laughs) who's three. Things that we did not see. But the further we get away, Six years in, we forget God's faithfulness back then. So when you're facing something else, you go, well, God, where are you now? And he's like, I've been with you the whole time. You're just too far separated from the last time that I showed my faithfulness. But I'm still faithful. I'm still with you. You may be, you may be experiencing your peace But he sees the full picture. He sees that full picture. And what I love about this picture is that there's a storm. 
that there is peace. There's some deer over here hanging out, just chilling in full peace and serenity. Right? There's a home. There's a sunset. There's, there's, a, there's a picture that God has for you in your life. That God has for all of us. In order to be able to experience who he is fully. But all you see is your peace. So you, in order to trust him. And know that his sovereign plan. Is the one. That will bring you the ultimate peace. You need to take your peace. Give it to God. So he can bring you. P-E-A-C-E. My peace given to God in his plan, in his sovereignty, brings me the peace that I actually need in my life. 